melanoi saffron-veiled terrine, who from infernal Pluto's sacred queen, mixed with Saturnian Jupiter arose, near where Cocytus's mournful river flows, when under Pluto's semblance Jove divine, deceived with guileful arts, dark proserpine, hence partly black thy limbs and partly white, from Pluto dark, from Jove ethereal bright, thy colored members men by night inspire, when seen in spectred forms with terrors dire. Now darkly visible, involved in night, perspicuous now, they meet the fearful fight. Terrestrial queen, expel wherever found the soul's mad fears to earth's remotest bound, with holy aspect on our incense shrine, and bless thy mystics and the rites divine. Hello everyone, I'm Megan Sullivan, and welcome to History in Games, an audio and video podcast where I play video games and talk about the real stories hidden inside these wonderful games. Today I'm going to talk about Hades 2, the sequel to the popular roguelite by Supergiant Games. If you enjoy this episode, please remember to follow History and Games on both your favorite audio platform and on YouTube at History in Games, and if you can, support me on Patreon at Megan, M-E-G-H-A-N, R. Sullivan, S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N, and I'll keep bringing you all the video game and history goodness. Thank you. Now, as you may know, a couple of years ago, I did a History and Games episode on the shady origins of Zagreus, the protagonist of Hades, and it was a lot of fun, which is why I'm so excited to talk about Hades 2, which stars the sister of Zagreus, Melanoi. But before we talk about this mysterious new heroine, let's review what we know about Hades 2. This information comes directly from the developer's FAQ page, which you can find at supergiantgames.com. Hades 2 is set after the events of the original roguelike dungeon crawler, Hades. As the immortal princess of the underworld, Melanoi, a sorceress with a score to settle, you the player will explore a bigger, deeper mythic world while vanquishing the forces of the titan of time, Kronos, who has escaped his imprisonment in the depths of the underworld in order to wage war on Olympus. With the full might of Olympus behind you, you'll attempt to stop time nice pun, in a story that continually unfolds through every setback and accomplishment. New locations, challenges, upgrade systems, and surprises await you as you delve into the ever-shifting underworld again and again. Hades 2 will be available in early access sometime in 2023. Now, when I first saw the trailer for Hades 2, I immediately shouted for joy. I love Hades, and I'm so happy that Supergiant Games is making its first sequel ever. But I admit I was a little confused by the new protagonist. The trailer never mentions a name, so who could she be? Well, since we see her wielding magic, at first I thought the character must be Hecate, the ancient Greek goddess of crossroads, ghosts, and witchcraft. And it turns out that wasn't a bad guess on my part. Hecate is in the trailer. She's the character with the pointy witch hat who's wearing a belt with a labyrinth motif and carrying a torch that doubles as a magical staff. 
But if that's Hecate, then who is this other person we see fighting in the underworld? Well, according to Supergiant's website, that is the Greek goddess Melanoi. Now, I admit that I had never heard of Melanoi, and that's probably because she's only mentioned in two sources from late antiquity. But since she's the main character in Hades 2, I thought doing a History and Games episode on her would be the perfect opportunity to learn all about this mysterious goddess. And since it turns out that she's closely associated with two other goddesses, Hecate and Persephone, I thought it was a great excuse to do more research on them as well. Thus, I'm dividing my History and Games coverage of Hades 2 into three episodes, one on Melanoi, one on Hecate, and one on Persephone. So if you're interested in Persephone and Hecate, stay tuned because I'll be doing episodes on them as well. But first, let's start with Melanoi, the most mysterious of the three. Like I said before, the reason Melanoi is so mysterious is because there are only two known sources from the ancient world that mention her by name. One is an Orphic hymn, written either somewhere between the 3rd or 2nd century BCE and the 2nd century CE. The other source is a series of bronze triangular tablets or tables found in ancient Anatolia that also mention Melanoi in association with other goddesses, including Hecate and Persephone. I find this last part of archaeological evidence really interesting, so let's talk about the tablets first. Actually, let's talk about one in particular, the Pergamon tablet. This bronze tablet was discovered in ancient Pergamon, today's Pergamos, located in modern Turkey, and dates to the first half of the 3rd century AD. The triangular construction and content of the tablet, which reiterates triplicity, suggests that it was used for divination. It has esoteric writing around its edges, a hole in the center, either for suspending it over a surface or supporting a statue, and depicted around the center of the tablet are three crowned goddesses, each with her head pointing at an angle and her feet pointing towards the center. The name of each goddess appears above her head. There's Theone, a titan goddess associated with water, Phoebe, whose name means bright and is both the grandmother of Apollo and Artemis, as well as the grandmother of Hecate, keep that in mind, and the obscure Nihi, whose name possibly means nightly. Under each of the three goddesses' feet is the word Amibosa, which refers to the phases of the moon. The goddesses are framed by magical incantations, and in their hands they hold various objects that include a key, torches, a whip, a serpent, and a sword. What's more is that around Phoebe, in a triple invocation, are the names Persephone, Queen of the Underworld, Leucophrine, a possible reference to the goddess Artemis, who had a temple in the town of Leucophrys in Phrygia, and Melanoi, who according to Orphic tradition, is a daughter of Persephone, which brings the total number of goddesses being evoked to six. What's going on here? Why are so many goddesses being evoked at once? Well, there are a couple of possibilities. One is that different aspects of the same moon goddess are being evoked. The inclusion of the word Amibusa on the tablet, along with names like Bright and Nightly, strongly indicate the creator of the tablet is evoking a moon goddess. 
Ah, but which one? There is more than one goddess associated with the moon in ancient times. Well, since the names Lucafrine, a name for Artemis, and Phoebe, which is also sometimes a nickname for Artemis, are included on the tablet, it's possible the goddess being evoked is Artemis. But the addition of objects like a key, a serpent, and torches, along with the theme of triplicity, makes it more likely the goddess being evoked is Hecate, a liminal, triple-bodied moon goddess that represented transitional phases and spaces, and in late antiquity was not only associated with both Artemis and Selene, the personification of the moon, but was also associated with Persephone. But these were all originally separate goddesses, so it's also possible that they're being thought of as individuals but are being evoked together because they share nocturnal traits. Which begs the question, what are they being evoked for? The truth is, it's not entirely clear. And because the words on the tablet are mostly magical, we don't know specifically what's being asked. But whatever the words say, don't worry, it's unlikely to be anything malevolent. For one thing, the tablet is bronze, a metal used to ward off evil in the ancient world. If it were, say, a cursed tablet, it would have been made out of lead and thrown into a well or a grave so that Chthonic underworld beings could read the curse and perform specific binding actions against the victim. We'll talk more about cursed tablets in the next episode. At any rate, the bronze tablet found in Pergamon was likely for beneficial purposes, so that's a good thing. But we still don't know what the tablet says, and we still don't know much about Melanoi, outside of her being associated with a moon goddess and or nocturnal deities. To learn more, we have to turn to our second source, the Orphic Hymns. The Orphic Hymns are a collection of prayers related to the mystery cult of Orpheus, whose central figure of worship is Dionysus Bacchus. There are nearly 90 of these hymns, and they're all addressed to the myriad gods of ancient Greece. And one of the hymns, the 70th hymn to be precise, is dedicated to a goddess named Melanoi, and it's here we can glean more information about her. Now, I actually quoted the Thomas Taylor translation of this hymn at the very beginning of the podcast, and I like this version because it's wonderfully poetic. But in order to really understand what's going on in the hymn, it might help to take a look at a more literal translation. In this case, the one done by Apostolos Athanasakis and Benjamin M. Volkol. So let's do that. I call upon Melanoi, saffron-cloaked nymph of the earth, whom revered Persephone bore by the mouth of the Kokitos River upon the sacred bed of Cronian Zeus. In the guise of Pluton, Hades, Zeus tricked Persephone and through wily plots bedded her. A two-bodied specter sprang forth from Persephone's fury. This specter drives mortals to madness with her airy apparitions, as she appears in weird shapes and strange forms, now plain to the eye, now shadowy, now shining in the darkness. All this in unnerving attacks in the gloom of night. O goddess, O queen of those below, I beseech you to banish the soul's frenzy to the ends of the earth. Show to the initiates a kindly and holy face. All right, so what does this hymn tell us? Well, it shows Melanoi to be a Chthonic deity, 
one that has a power to bring nightmares, i.e. appearing in weird shapes, and madness, or what the hymn calls the soul's frenzy. The name Melinoi is thought to mean dark of mind or possibly propitation-minded, meaning she is of a mind to be appeased. It also tells us that she is closely connected to a number of other important underworld deities. For example, Melanoi is described as the daughter of Chthonic Zeus. Now, on the surface, the idea of a Chthonic Zeus doesn't make any sense. After all, Zeus is the king of the gods and is associated with the upper air, not the underworld. But in Orphic tradition, Hades is in fact the underworld aspect of Zeus, which in the hymn is reflected by his ability to take the form of Hades. It's a belief that's also reflected in another Orphic hymn, in which Zeus conceives Melanoi's brother Zagreus by mating with Persephone in the form of a snake, snakes being a common motif of the underworld. So Melanoi's chthonic association with Zeus isn't really that strange, and that's not her only association with underworld deities. The Orphic hymn states that Melanoi was born by the river Kokitos, or River Lamentation, one of the five rivers of the underworld. It's here at the river Kokitos where the god Hermes was stationed whenever he was acting in his role as Psychopomp, aka a guide who led mortal souls to the underworld. Now at first it might seem strange that a messenger god is also a guide for the dead, but keep in mind Hermes is in fact a very ancient deity with strong chthonic associations and is pretty powerful in his underworld aspect. Thus the mention of Melanoi being born by the river Kokitos may seem like a small aside, but it a really stresses that Melanoi is very much associated with the idea of lamentation, her mother's lamentations, the lamentations of those plagued by nightmares, etc, etc, and also connects her to another important deity of the underworld, Hermes. But of course her strongest connection is to Persephone, queen of the underworld. The hymn states that Melanoi sprang forth double-bodied from Persephone and is an embodiment of her fury, which is understandable. After all, Persephone was deceived by Zeus and got pregnant as a result. So Melanoi being a physical manifestation of that anger makes sense. And since what happened to Persephone is a nightmare scenario for any woman, it's not a surprise that Melanoi's powers include the ability to inflict people with nightmares. But what does the hymn mean when it calls Melanoi double-bodied? Well, at first some thought this meant that literally one half of her body was light and the other half was dark, but the text doesn't actually say that. So it could simply be referring to her double nature, the belief that she is both the daughter of an underworld goddess, Persephone, and an upper air father, Zeus. By the way, in the trailer for Hades 2, you can see that Melanoi's left arm is a green color perhaps to represent one half of her double aspect? I guess we'll have to wait and see to find out. At any rate, Melanoi has a lot of ties to powerful underworld beings, but guess what? There's one more chthonic being that she seems to be closely associated with, and that is Hecate. Although on the surface, it may not seem that way since Hecate is never mentioned by name, but there's definitely a connection here. For one thing, Melanoi is described as clad in saffron, an epithet used in the Orphic hymns for only one other deity, the moon goddess Hecate. And like Melanoi, 
Hecate is known to bring about nightmares and insanity. And what's interesting is that Hecate and Melanoi are also linked through Hecate's association with Persephone. When Persephone is kidnapped by Hades and taken to the underworld, it's Hecate who offers to accompany Persephone's mother Demeter on the search for her daughter, using a torch to light their way. Then later, Hecate acts as a companion to Persephone whenever she's in the underworld. Thus, there's a strong association between Hecate, Persephone, and Melanoi, which is why I wanted to talk about all three goddesses. To understand Melanoi, you have to understand Hecate, and to understand Hecate, you have to understand Persephone. And since we've now pretty much covered all there is to know about Melanoi in this episode, she's clearly either a nocturnal goddess or an aspect of a nocturnal goddess whom mortals are anxious to placate, I think we can move on to the next episode, which will be all about Hecate, the liminal moon goddess of ghosts, crossroads, and magic. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, what did you think of this episode? Did you learn anything new? Are you interested in Hades too? Do you have anything to add about Melanoi? Let me know in the comments section. Thanks so much for supporting History and Games, everyone. See you later.